Who's following you? Who's following you? Mark chapter 2. Let's go there. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. I need to tell you today that this is not a sermon about paranoia, which you might, you might think after seeing, uh, seeing that, but uh, it's not. It's not. There's enough of that going around today, so uh, we'll, not, we'll not talk about paranoia. Uh, Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he, Jesus, reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the abundance that you have poured out into our lives. And Lord, we are thankful for this Christmas season that we have uh, celebrated. And as we move forward now into a, a new year with its uh, new beginnings, and Lord, I pray that you would give dreams and visions of hope and of progress and of desire for your presence. And Lord, as we take these few moments this morning, I pray that you would speak through me, let your word come to life, and may Jesus be glorified. In his name we pray, amen. What I'm talking about this morning is, is influence. And the question that I want to ask you this morning is, who is following you because of influence? At the height of his success as an NBA power forward, Charles Barkley, he was a great player, but he had a reputation for some uh, rebellious behavior. He said in a Nike commercial one time, I am not a role model. Just because I dunk a basketball does not mean I should raise your kids. Now what he said is partially true in that parents should not look to celebrities to raise their kids. We should know that. But Charles Barkley is wrong to say that he is not a role model by virtue of who he was as an NBA player and by the amount of money that he made, he is, was a role model. If you are here this morning and you are a parent, you are a role model. You signed up to be a role model at the time of conception or at the time that decision was made that you were going to, to enter into that. If you are here this morning and you are a teacher, you are a role model. If you're a coach, you're a role model. If you're a manager, you're a role model. And back in the uh, sports theme, it's just really a shame that these knucklehead athletes today don't realize the weight that they carry with our young people because they're watching and they're listening to everything that is said. Theologian and musician and all-around smart guy, 
Albert Schweitzer said, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. If we look at verse 15 in our text, it says this, now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him. Who do, this is a question for you, who do tax collectors and sinners represent? I'll tell you, those of us who came to Jesus for salvation, we know, we knew that we were sick and that we knew that we needed him. We were, are tax collectors and sinners. We understand that we are sick. We understand that we have need of healing for our souls and we need salvation. And so another question that I have is, why did non-religious people follow Jesus? Well, let's back up to chapter one of Mark. Verse 25, he heals a man of an unclean spirit. And before verse 29 in my Bible, there's a heading like most, most Bibles do. Before verse 29, the heading reads, Jesus heals many. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. Verse 32 says, that evening they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered at the door. He healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out demons. In verse 40, Jesus heals a leper. And why did he heal the leper? Verse 41 says, because he had pity on him. He was moved with pity and he stretched out his hand and he touched him and immediately the leprosy left him. One thing that you didn't do then was touch a leper. You didn't touch him. They were were considered unclean. But the mercy of Jesus goes beyond the natural. Chapter two of Mark begins with Jesus healing a paralytic. So everywhere Jesus went, people followed Jesus. So again, the question is, comes up, why? Why did so many people follow Jesus? And we go back to the pity, the mercy of Jesus. He took pity on them. Like the, the woman at the well, she ran and she told her neighbors, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. People took notice of him. They wanted to be around him because he had mercy on them. He had compassion. His mercy was in full view. Luke 19.10, it says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So another question, this one I'll ask myself, and if you feel so inclined, you ask it to yourself as well. Am I living my life representing the compassion of Jesus so that tax collectors and sinners are compelled to follow after me. First Corinthians, at the very end of chapter 10, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. He knew his role. He knew the example, the responsibility that he had as a follower of Jesus, as an apostle, as a leader. He said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the least. I'm the greatest of sinners and I'm the, the, the least worthy but I'm doing my best. And if you see an example in me, for whatever encouragement you get from me, whatever teaching you get from me, whatever comfort you get from me, follow me as I follow Christ. 
Has my life become so, so sterile and religious and self-consumed that I repel those who need Jesus? You know what I mean? Are we so full of words that they can't understand and attitudes that they, that they keep us at arm's length, that they don't want to have anything to do with us? Sure, we're to be separated. We're to be a separate people. We are to be peculiar. We are to be different. But I'm talking about influence. We're talking about the mercy of God. And there's so many great things about this church. So many testimonies. And I stand before you without a great deliverance testimony from drugs and alcohol. I don't have it. I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. I came to the point when I was 14 that I knew I needed to be saved. And I knew without salvation in Christ that I was lost. But I didn't come from a, a background that of, of drug addiction and alcohol like, like some of you here have. And by nature of that, it's hard for me to relate. And I, don't, I certainly don't wish that I could go back and have drug addiction and then get delivered. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Just so I might help somebody through it. So how do I make a difference in the life of someone who is struggling with it and trying to get through it? That's a challenge for me. But that's a place that I want to be. I want to be in that place where people are compelled because of Jesus in me to come and follow me or not be intimidated to be with me simply because I call myself a follower of Christ. Amen? So what do I do? I find a tax collector and a sinner. And I hang around with them. I listen to their struggles to their failures, and instead of judging them, I have mercy on them, and I share Jesus with them. It's about relationship, it's about influence. I'm grateful to have Donnie personally in my life. Donnie's not here this morning, I don't believe. And I was gonna brag on him here a minute and say he's not missed church in two months, now he's not here this morning. But I want to tell you, I'm grateful to have Donnie personally in my life. Many of you here know who Donnie is. I was in retail management for a long, long time. And when I was in retail, Donnie worked for me. And I need to tell you also that I spoke with Donnie about this. And he gave me the, the freedom to share a little bit of his story this morning. That may be why he's not here. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but when Donnie started working for me, I knew pretty quickly uh, Number one, that he was not a Christian. I knew that. It was evident that he was not a Christian. But I also knew that he was a very personable young man, and he was a good worker. And you gotta, when you're in retail, you've got to love that about somebody. And after a few years of, of working together, he moved on to something else, and I eventually finally got out of retail. And for the last 15 years or so, he and I... Really, we, we completely lost contact. I didn't know where he was. I didn't know what he was up to. I did know for some reason that he had moved uh, back to the area and that he was working uh, with the family business. But what I did not know was how drastically his life had turned and how deeply he had gotten into drugs. I didn't know that. 
we got reacquainted because of a conversation that Pastor Rob had had with Don, with, with uh, yeah, Donnie. And he came to church because of Rob's influence. We saw each other, we hugged, and it was great to see each other, and we, we made plans to have lunch with one another. We did, and we have done so a few times um, up, up to this point. We sat down, we had lunch at JT's, and I said, I want to hear your story. And so he began with much transparency to lay his life bare before me in what has happened in his life since early August. And what I suddenly realized was that I was sitting down to have lunch with a tax collector. And I didn't feel uncomfortable. I knew that I was where I was supposed to be and Donnie knew that he was where he was supposed to be. He told me everything. He told me things that he hadn't told others. And there may have been a couple times that I had to pick my jaw up from the table. He trusted me. And he said that it's, he said it's been difficult to be in public because of the publicity his arrest had received and that he was taking a chance of being seen with me. But let me tell you what I saw in Donnie Persley that day. I saw a man who was sorry. I saw a man who knew that he had done wrong. I saw a man who was ready to start a new journey with Jesus Christ. And I saw a man who was ready to step up to the plate and be the role model for his family that he knew at this point it was time to do. His struggles are long from over. But he started. And that's what I told him. He talked, he talked about the, the, the journey and all, what, you know, all this and all that. I said, Donnie, you've started the journey. You've started the journey. Praise God. Praise God. And other than today, I don't believe that he and Desiree have missed church in at least, at least a couple of months. And it's, it's great to see him and his family t- together, and, and they're hungry. They're thirsty for more. And the moral of my story is this. I need more Donnie Persley's in my life. What about you? You need, a, you need a Donnie in your life? You need a Brent in your life? You need a Bear in your life? I'm going to give you four things this morning that will happen if we live our lives in such a way that tax collectors and sinners will want to follow us. Four things that will happen. Number one, religious people will talk. Pastor Rob talked about this a little bit. People at the sit-go, they like to talk. They like to talk about what's going on in the neighborhood. But people will, religious people will talk if you live your life in a way that tax collectors and sinners will want to follow you. Because every time that Jesus showed compassion and made somebody well, the religious people complained about it. Earlier in Mark chapter two, when Jesus healed the paralytic, it says, but some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive but God alone? 
And in Mark chapter three, when Jesus entered the synagogue, there was a man there with a withered hand and it says they watched Jesus closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Have you ever been accused for doing that which is holy? You can be assured that if you spend time with those who need Jesus most, some of the holier than thou Pharisees are gonna throw you to the wolves. But what did Jesus say? He said, it's the sick that need the doctor. It's not those who think they are healthy because when Jesus said, it's the sick that need the doctor, not the healthy ones. It's the sick, those who know they need help, not the healthy ones, those who think they are healthy. There's a lot of people, a lot of churches today filled with people who think they are healthy. Number two, you might feel alone or rejected by many in the church if you live your life in a way that tax collectors and sinners would want to follow you. You might feel alone or rejected by many in the church. Now let me say this. It seems like I say this every time. There's a disclaimer that goes along with Orchardville Church. This really doesn't apply to Orchardville Church. We are led by a pastor who's been there. He is effectively reaching out to those who are struggling with various addictions. Not only are we teaching and serving with great effectiveness, but we take the reach aspect of our mission statement very seriously. It's not just nice sounding words that, that are pleasing to the ear. We, we mean it. Reach, teach, and serve. We mean it. Praise God for that. And today there are many here in our midst who are kicking addictions, but. Maybe not very many of us. Not by their own power, but by the power of Almighty God that resides in them. Amen? Amen. Not by might. Amen? It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us. We are victorious, and it's not by anything that we can do, muster up on our own. It is by the power of God, amen? Amen. But there are churches all throughout the country who would rather shun the addict than reach out, come alongside and say, come on, I'll help you get through this. Those are few and far between. And if you're listening to this on the radio this morning or on podcast or on CD and you're in a church that does not practice the compassion of Jesus but you are trying to, just know this, that you might experience rejection by those who think they are healthy. Amen? And number three, if you're living your life in such a way the sinners and tax collectors want to follow you, you get the blessing of living out the gospel. There's promises all in scripture about being obedient to the gospel. And if you're doing such in your life, you get the blessing. You get the blessing of living out the gospel. You get the joy that comes from pointing people to Jesus. I don't know if any other joy, period, that is greater than leading somebody to Jesus Christ and seeing them grow in their walk, to see them stay on the, stay on the path in the journey. All of us are gonna, we're gonna vary from time to time from the path. We're gonna take steps back. We're gonna get off the path from time to time. But there's a great joy 
that comes from pointing people to Jesus. And a scripture says, when you're living your life in such a way that sinners and tax collectors want to follow you, you're living your life, as Paul says, worthy of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a great placard I would like to have right here, worthy of Jesus Christ. And if I have that on my life, that means I'm pointing people to Jesus and I'm living my life in a way that would draw them to him in me. That's living out the gospel. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider the needs of others as more important than your own. That's living out the gospel. And the blessings of God follow them that consider others more important than themselves. And lastly, if you're living your life in such a way that sinners and tax collectors want to follow you, the bottom line is it's what Jesus modeled for us. That's what he commands us to do. Paul continues in Philippians 2. I'm gonna read from Philippians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 5. And it says this, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And now verses 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse five says, have this mind among you. Another translation says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Have pity on others. Show the mercy of Jesus to others. Be compassionate to those who don't have things figured out. Praise God. We all look differently, we all walk differently. We all have the different, different hang-ups. Praise God that the mercy of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus goes beyond the natural and ministers to us in our innermost being, in our soul that needs to be transformed, our soul that needs to be saved and that our mind that needs to be transformed on a daily basis by the, by the reading of the word. That's how our mind becomes like Christ is by beating it into submission with the word of God. Live your life in such a way that tax collectors and sinners are drawn to the Jesus in you. The compassionate Jesus, the Jesus that doesn't condemn because John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then John 3, 17 says, for, for his son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. The Jesus that has come 
to seek and to save that which is lost. Pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for, for this morning. Thank you for your word that changes us. Thank you for your word that guides us. We thank you, Lord, for your word that takes us all the way home. The word of God doesn't just convict us unto salvation. It doesn't just save us. It doesn't just disciple us. The word of God is all of that and more. It takes us all the way home. Thank you for the promise of your word. Lord, for the rest of our time this morning, would you be honored, would you be glorified? Holy Spirit, would you work in our midst this morning? Those who need salvation, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to yourself with conviction of their sin. Those who are here this morning that are dealing with with addiction, that are dealing with other things in their lives, Lord, may they know that this is a safe place to come and to lay it all at the altar, to lay their burdens down, that there are people here to come alongside, to emulate Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did, to show mercy. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place this morning. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now here's the question that I have for those of you who are here that have not yet said yes to Jesus. Who are you following? Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. Salvation is extended to everyone. And we all need salvation. Without salvation, we are separated from God. Our sin separates us from God. And being born means that you are a sinner. There's no way of getting around that. Our nature is sinful. That's why Jesus came to give us a new nature. He came to be the the perfect sacrifice that was required to pay that price that penalty for sin that you and I must pay if we reject Jesus. Jesus came to take the separation and close it. We are now reunited with the holy God because of Jesus Christ alone. We have life in his name because of his great sacrifice. And that pardon for your sin is extended for everyone here, for each one here that would call upon his name. Won't you stand? Won't you stand and won't you come? Whatever need that you have this morning, won't you come? It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618 